an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I remind, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells as well in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, to, uh, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and his own grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the age began and which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Lord, uh, appearing of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard until the day that which I have entrusted, that, that which has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia have turned away from me, among whom were uh, Phyglius and Homogeneous. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. You will have no, you well know all the service that he has rendered to me at Ephesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are always instructing us with your word. You're leading us, guiding us through all the scriptures, Lord. We understand that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us unto righteousness. So, Lord, this morning we ask that you would help us, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts, that we might receive your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we went through a few things last Sunday. I'll just reiterate them real quickly. Number one, we saw that Paul was writing to uh, Timothy again as his beloved son. Amen. He was showing his compassion and love for Timothy from the very beginning of this letter. They, these letters to Timothy and to Titus are a lot different than the other Gospels, you know. Uh, now, he does show affection when he writes the, the Philippian church, right? He, he shows affection as he writes to them. But here, 
He's showing uh, some very strong affections for Timothy, showing us that our relationships in the church should not just be, oh, I kind of go to church with them and kind of know them, you know, but our relationships should be like family. We should know each other. We should be able to speak to each other. We should be able to speak into each other's lives and say, hey, brother, I know you're going through something hard. Or, hey, brother, I know you're messing up here. Or, I know you need help Pray. I'll pray with you. What can I do to help you? I know you're behind on your rent. Let me help you with that. Let's go talk to pastor. Let's go talk to the board and say, hey, let's help. And we already talked about in 1 Timothy how we ought to start helping those in our own house before we help those outside of the house. Amen. Because even back then, widows had to be enrolled, and that was the way a widow was going to get aid was if she was enrolled as a widow. And those who were getting help inside the church, it started there. Did they give to people outside the church? Yes. But their main focus was to share all things in common. Amen. And that what it says in Acts 2, they had all things in common. That means they brought everything into the church, and then they gave it to those who had need in the church. Amen? Those are the exact words, exact terminology there. Amen? So we ought to work here also. It does us no good to help a church in Africa if we can't help the person sitting in the pew who rose down. Amen? It's very hypocritical, matter of fact, to help the person we don't know, but to leave the person we do know hurting. Amen? We need to be very careful in that. But we see here Paul illustrating his love for Timothy. And then he tells Timothy something that I think all of us need to remind ourselves to stir up that gift of God that's in us. Amen? Verse 6. This is kind of where we left off last week. He says, stir up the gift of God that was placed there by the laying on of my hands. Amen? Stir up the gift of God inside of you. Look, all of us, if you know Christ, have been deposited with faith and with gifts and with talents that you can use for Christ. But Christ is not going to come down here and manipulate you like a puppet to make you do them. Okay? It, that's not, look, even if you're a devout Calvinist, you don't believe that he's manipulating you like a puppet. I, watch this. I'm going I'm to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. Calvinists do not believe that you don't have free will. That is not what Calvinists believe. Period. End story. They don't believe that. They believe you have free will. That's what the Bible says, right? It's very evident throughout Scripture that we have free will. Calvinists, just because they believe in predestination, just because we uh, understand that God is sovereign and he's over all things, doesn't discount Free will of man, okay? you got to understand that the Bible teaches un unequivocally that God elects, God chooses, God determines. But it also says we have to choose. We have to do. There's tension there, right? How can it be both? I don't know. How can Jesus be God and man at the same time, okay? Let's wrap our mind around God, okay? Try to wrap your mind around God and see how far you get, okay? Some things we've got to understand that, yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is absolutely in control. But, yes, man has a free will at the same time, okay? So I just want to blow your mind for a minute. Both of them are right. right. All right? 
some little microphone over here. I'll let you go, man. I'll let you go. The reality is that God is in control. God is sovereign, okay? But we also got to understand that God is not going to make us puppets and force us to do the things that glorify him. Amen? Now, he's going to woo us. He's going to enable us. He's going to empower us through the Holy Spirit to get over our flesh, you know. Some of you are still struggling with your flesh. Your flesh is going, Lord, I don't want to go to these fellowship dinners every week. Lord, I don't why is pastor making more stuff for us to come to? I don't know what pastor's doing. Oh, my goodness. And your flesh is screaming. Ah! And the Holy Spirit's going, I got you. Great. My grace is sufficient. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you overcome. I'm going to help you get over yourself. Amen. Come on. We got to love each other enough to want to be around each other, okay? Uh, I'm just saying, when you when you love people, you want to be around people, amen? And we, we ought to love each other. If, if anywhere in all of the world, God's people ought to love each other, amen? And that's what I'm getting out of the first part of Timothy. And when he's telling him to stir up that gift, he's saying it's already in there, amen? It's already in there. And the last thing that we ended on was first, uh, believe, uh, Verse 14, I don't know if we quite got that far. I think we, I don't think we got that far. I, I mentioned it when we, were, when we were closing. I mentioned it, okay? Let's go to verse 8. I think that's where I left off, okay? Verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. That's what we all need to learn how to do right there. Because we all got this modern day that following Jesus is some easy cakewalk. That this Jesus thing just going to happen accidentally or something. Okay? The reality, I saw a post from John, uh, by Jonathan Edwards, my pastor friend Caleb shared it, and I shared it too, because I was like, that's good stuff. And on his post, Jonathan Edwards was saying, let not any Christian think that living holy lives should be done accidentally. Okay? I'm going to tell you this way, and this is how I put it in my post. It will never happen accidentally. Living holy, godly lives will never happen accidentally. You have to make a purposeful decision to live your life that way. Okay? God will enable you. God will empower you. But God is not a puppet master that will make you do it. Because salvation, while it's out of my hand, I have no part in saving myself. God saves me. Period. End of story. The reality is my sanctification is a whole different story. I have to walk that out in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So our sanctification or the act of us being made more and more like Christ, although it is done by the Holy Spirit, it is in conjunction with our actions and decisions and our purposeful attempt to live for Christ. Amen? So we've got to understand this as he's saying this. He says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What does that mean? Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Amen? Paul said, don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid in the grocery store when somebody says, 
Oh man, I don't know why God done that to me. That's a perfect opportunity for you to look at him and go, you know what? Maybe God allowed you to go through that so you know who to turn to. Maybe God's trying to get you to the end of the rope, the bottom of the barrel, where no more that you can do and you have no other option but to look to heaven and say, God, help me. Amen? Or maybe you can say, did God really do that? Or did, you know, was this a choice that you made? Because a lot of times I find that the circumstances in our life, now there are many occasions that are not our fault, okay? Understand, okay? There are many occasions that are not our fault. But I know people, and I know me. And a lot of the stuff that I would love to talk about how rough it was and how terrible it was, I did to myself by my own choices that I made that I didn't need to make. Uh, I, I remember having a conversation with somebody at church. They were going to move off somewhere. And I told them, don't go moving off nowhere. And, well, they didn't listen. And then they called me back a few months later and said, Pastor, I'm stuck down in the middle of nowhere. And I said, well, I'm playing for you. <laughs> I didn't want to say I told you so, but I didn't. I kind of said it without saying it, you know. But I love people, but I can't, you know, we all have choices we make. Amen. And God, God isn't the puppet master. Amen. Now, I want to praise the Lord that the person I talk to is still going to this church and still loves me. At least I hope so, anyway. Praise God. It's important for us to understand that sometimes we get in a pickle because I put myself in the pickle jar. Amen? And then I'm, now, I'm going to stop right here because this is where a lot of preachers will go off and get into some error because they'll act like God will only help you through stuff that wasn't your fault. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is about sin, and all sin is my fault. Amen? Anytime I walk in sin, it's because of me. Anytime I get into sin, I'm guilty. It ain't nobody else, it's me. Amen? And God came to save you from yourself. I'm just telling you, God came to save you from you. Because if your life was left up to you, it would be completely messed up. Amen? I can't, I can't tell you how many times God kept me from messing my life up. Even after I thought I had ruined my life, God somehow puts it all back together. It didn't look just like it was before. It, didn't, it might not look exactly the same, but I look at it now and it's way better than it was. Amen? So don't let me, don't, don't get this messed up. God will save you even from your own mistakes. Amen. God will forgive you no matter what. You understand me? There's no, there's no condition other than this. Repent. That's the condition. What does that mean? Confess and turn away. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Let's get real. Can I get real this morning? All right, good. I'm glad I got approval. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me. Now, brothers and sisters, we sometimes we do pretty good with the whole Jesus thing. But he said, or of me. 
Now that's where a lot of people have problems, okay? I love Jesus and then they'll see pastor walking in the store. Oh, Lord. I don't know if anybody wants to meet and see, get seen with me in the grocery store, okay? Or, or you see that other sister so-and-so. Oh, Lord, they're going to talk to me for an hour. I can't, you know. They know me. I'll, 20 minutes turns into two hours in the middle of Walmart. Tammy's got the same problem. Peace from the same pot. Praise the Lord. Don't be ashamed of your brothers and sisters in Christ either. Amen. Look, look I don't care who you are. You, now, you guys know me long enough. This, this fantasy don't mean anything to me, okay? I'll go out, I'll flip, I'm going to go in the kitchen, and I'm going to serve food in it, I'll go outside and play football in it, I don't care, okay? I will. This suit don't mean nothing. Regular loving people need to be accepted and loved at this church, amen? And they are, amen? We need to understand that we don't need to be ashamed of each other either. We need to love each other enough to say, yes, that's my sister. Yes, that's my brother. Yes, I go to church with them. Even if somebody said, well, you know, they've done this and that and other. Well, I'm going to pray for them, but that's my sister, and I love her. That's my brother, and I love him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to go to them and tell them, hey, I'm there for you. I know people's talking about you, but I love you, and I got your back. Amen? That's how it ought to be. That's how it should be. But be ready to suffer affliction for the gospel. Now that's what we're talking about. Affliction for the gospel. What's the gospel? Loving those people nobody else wants to love. Sticking up for the, for the downtrodden. Sticking up for those who don't stick up for themselves. Giving to those who ain't got nothing. Loving those who don't have anybody to love them. That's the peace. That's the gospel. Loving people who don't deserve it. Because God does that to every one of us. God loves us and we don't deserve it. Not one bit. Do you, let that sink in for a second. Because I think we got this idea that we somehow deserve God's love. Now, God does love you. I'm not taking away from you. You're, God does see some kind of value in loving you. But the reality is the value is from you. The value is from God and what he puts in you. Because before I was worthless and now I have worth. Come on. But before I was a lost, dirty sinner, now I'm a robed saint who is called by name. And my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Come on, let's, let's act like we know the Bible this morning, okay? Let's act like we've read it a couple times. I love verse 9. He says, He saved us and called us to a holy calling. Notice that your calling was not to live your own way. Oh, uh, that'll preach right there. Your calling wasn't just to do your own thing. They don't, Jesus doesn't do, he doesn't negotiate, okay? He doesn't come down and say, okay, I want to give you salvation. But, you know, I realize you're different than everybody else, so I'll give it to you a little different than I give it to some. It doesn't work that way. I get the same spirit, the same Jesus, the same expectations. Uh-oh. Oh, we don't we don't think about that though. We don't want expectations. Don't look at me and tell me expectations. I remember preaching one time and I was not looking at 
bride, but he thought I was. And the whole sermon, he, he was like, you looked at me the whole time, and it, I know you were talking right to me. And I was like, man, I wasn't saying anything directly to you. But, you know, it's funny. When you start talking about expectations, people get uncomfortable, okay? When you start saying God doesn't want you to do this, and God doesn't want you to do that, and God expects you to do this other thing, people go, why is he talking about me? Now, at the time, I didn't think anything about Brian, not one bit. But after he said that, I'm thinking, well, what's he doing that I should be going about? <laughs> Amen? Just take it as an owe me or a praise the Lord, okay? If, if, if you find yourself at odds with the Bible, just take it that you're not there yet. Don't worry. I'm not either. Neither is anybody else sitting around you, okay? There's nobody in this room that has arrived. So, you know, if they think they have, we can pray for them as soon as church is over with because we know, amen? Uh, and, you know, I know people, and I can just ask them, and they'll tell me about you. <laughs> he said, he saved us and called us to a holy calling, but not because of our works but because of his own purpose and grace in Christ. Do you realize that when God saved you, now, I'm not going to take away from the fact that God loves you, okay? But when God saved you, it wasn't just for you. Amen. He had a purpose behind it. Amen? Now, the purpose could be there's people that Ruth can reach that Kevin can't. There's people that Tammy can reach that Kevin can't. There's people that Craig talks to that Kevin never will get to talk to. There's purposes beyond what we see as just our salvation. And not beyond that, God also had his own purpose in calling who he calls, drawing who he draws, saving who he saves, giving mercy to whom he'll give mercy to. Remember that verse? told Moses, I will give mercy to whom I will give mercy. And what he said? And he did say that. We don't like that verse either. We don't like that one. It shows God's sovereignty way too much. We're like, what? 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 What that say? Can we just erase that out of the Bible? Get a white out marker. Make sure he didn't say that, right? Oh, you mean it doesn't work that way? Okay, good. We're going to believe the whole word of God, right? I believe all scripture is God-breathed, amen? Even the part where it said, I'll harden who I will harden, amen? That's still God's word, amen? Now, I also notice not just his own purpose, but his own grace, his purpose in his grace. There's a purpose in the grace of God, okay? The purpose is... It's not always known by those who are being saved. How many of you ever been driving down the street and you felt like, hey, maybe I ought to pull over here real quick. Or maybe I ought to turn this way. And then you found out later there was a wreck down that road or something happened over there. And you just realized after the fact that God kept you from doing something really stupid or being right in the middle of something really dumb. Mike and me got a story to tell you. We were driving in Pontiac Sunfire. It was white. I was sitting in the back seat. Mike was sitting in the front seat driving, and I think Kim was sitting up in the front seat, right? And we're driving back to Noah, and 
Right behind us, there was a semi. And I seen two semis coming. And I looked in the rearview mirror because I was sitting right in the middle without a seatbelt on, okay? We were young, didn't have any brains, okay? You'll have to forgive me. But when I looked in the rearview mirror, I saw the tip. Now the wind was blowing a whole bunch that day. But I saw the, that I'd already had my CDL at this point, so I was very observant for things like this. And I saw that trailer on that other semi just doing this, crossing the center line. And then I looked up and I saw those other two semis doing the same thing. And I told Mike, I said, Mike, floor it. Mike floored it. Just, he was like, why? I said, just nail it. Oh, he nailed it. And all of a sudden, we're hearing stuff crash behind us. Look in the rear view mirror. Semis are falling. Bricks are flying everywhere. Oh, my goodness. Right in the middle of it. I mean, if we was, if we'd have been any slower, we'd been right in the middle of it. Little bitty old sunfire right in the middle of all that would have been a bad thing. Amen. Yep. Well, that's the way God works. I'm telling you, there's times when you get into a position where God moves you out of the way. Amen? And we got to understand that God has a purpose in His grace. Okay? We don't know what God saved us from. Okay? You don't know what kind of stuff God is getting you out of. One of these days, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to see just exactly what God saved us from. You understand that? At the great white throne judgment, every single person's going to be there. Amen? I didn't hear no voices that day when I was in the car. I just I just told Mike to go. Okay? I didn't hear no voices. There wasn't no Holy Ghost telling me nothing. I just knew we needed to get out of here. Okay? 
The reality is, God works all these things out, okay? Uh, I, you know, there were so many times I didn't listen to God at all, but God still saved me, okay? There's so many times where I didn't hear from God, but God still saved me, okay? The reality is, God has a purpose in His grace, okay? God's in control, okay? That's the, the, the theme of Scripture is God's in control, God saves you, okay? The reality is that God has purpose in his grace, and normally it's beyond what we can see. Amen? He's working all things according to the counsel of his own will. You know what that means? He don't come down and take a poll. Huh? Hey, uh, Brian, I think I'm going to let this, this, and this happen in your life. What do you think? That ain't never happened to me, okay? He never come down and said, hey, I'm gonna Now, Jesus looked at Peter and said, the, the devil has asked to sift you like wheat. He didn't say, what, do you think I should let him? He just said, yes, but I prayed for you. Which implies, Jesus said, sure, you can test Peter. The realities that God, we think God owes us some kind of explanation. That, that's the part to think that I think is funny, okay? We're little dirt imps, okay? Yeah, I said it that way. We're little dirt imps, little little clay mud. We're, we're little mud peoples made of clay. God doesn't have to ask us anything, okay? God doesn't look down at the lump of clay and say, Hey, lump of clay, what do you want to be? God has a purpose and a plan in his grace. And it's not always what you think it ought to be. He's going to shape the clay how he sees fit. Amen? Uh, also, I love verse 10. Let's get to verse 10. I'm going to get through this, I promise. He said, his own purpose and grace in verse 9, which he has given us in Christ Jesus before the age began. Notice when God's purpose and plan for you was. That's what I want to start. This is what we need to get. A lot of us think that somehow God determined what he was going to do to us like when we were born. Or when I was little. Oh, you know, my mom prayed for me when I was little. And that's when, uh, that's when God was changing my destiny. God already had you planned out before he ever said these words. Let there be light. Before he ever said that, he knew you. Before he ever said that, he had a plan for you. Before he ever said that, he already had Christ crucified from the foundations of the world. Before he ever said, let there be light, he knew that Greg would be here. He knew Bryant would be here. He knew Mike would be here. He knew Ruth would be here. There's never been a question in God's mind. It has been established. From the foundation of the world. And then he says this. And which now has been made manifest. Through the appearing of our Savior Jesus. Who abolished death. And brought life and immortality. To light by the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news. What's the good news? The good news is this. That you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Remember that song we sang just a little bit ago? 
He said, my dead heart began to beat. And that's what happens to every one of us. At one point in your life, you were dead to God. You did not know God. You were not seeking God. God was the furthest thing from your mind. But one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, and your dead heart came to life, and you sought God. That's what happened to every one of us. Not one of us went running after God on our own. None of us did. Even those who were born in Christian homes, which I wasn't. Not necessarily. Wasn't always, let's put it that way. But the reality is, that's the gospel. That God comes to seek and save those who are lost. And every single one of us were lost. Every one of us. Without exception. Amen? People try to argue with me about the total depravity of man, and I think... Can you just turn on the TV? People try to say, well, man's not that depraved. Man's not totally lost. Really? Flip on CNN. Get about 10 minutes of CNN and you'll, you'll change the way you think. Man's heart is desperately wicked. It does not seek God and it will not run after God without God's intervention. God had to intervene in the life of Kevin O'Connor or I would not have ran after God. Period. In the story. I didn't find, I used to tell my testimony like this, and Ruth and Mike can tell you that I used to tell my testimony like this. Well, in 1994, I found Jesus. I used to tell my testimony like that. Why? Because from my perspective, that's what happened. But upon further review, I realized that he found me, that he sought me out, and I would not have even called on his name until I was touched by him. I can tell you that I was sitting in that little Baptist church just north of Coffeeville. Pastor Jerry Stafford was preaching. had no intention when I got to church that day of listening to any preacher or giving my life to Christ or running to any altar. But while I was sitting in that room, the Spirit of God started convicting my heart that I needed Christ. And I stopped the whole service. I ran to the front. I need this Jesus. Back then they used to take you into the pastor's office and he'd pray a prayer with you and then you'd come out and he'd introduce you to the congregation as a brand new believer. You'd all come and give you hugs and everybody's crying and weeping. True repentance. True born again experience. You understand? We need that. We need the gospel to accomplish this. He said he revealed it in the gospel. And that's what Jerry Stafford was preaching. 
he was preaching about how I was totally lost and undone and I needed Christ. And if I didn't call on him right now, I am not promised tomorrow. And if I don't say to Christ today, Lord, I need you, that I might not wake up tomorrow. And if I do, I'm going to wake up in the devil's head. God touched me because this dead heart began to beat. Paul's ministry here, as we close, Paul's ending here in verse 11, he says, For which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Paul was appointed by Christ these things. And then he says one thing in verse 12 that you need to understand if you're going to live your life for Christ. This is very important. He already said it uh, in verse 8 where he said, don't be ashamed of me, but share in the sufferings. Verse 12 starts this way after he says that he was appointed unto the gospel to be a, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. He said, which is why I suffer as I do. Following Christ is not about your best life now. Following Christ is not about what you're going to get right now. Following Christ is not going to be mansions and Maseratis and all these great things. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be people talking about you. It's going to be about people ridiculing you. It's going to be about you having to suffer through some stuff to help people. If you think that you can help people and not suffer at the same time, you don't have an understanding of what it is to help people. Every time you help people, you have to sacrifice something for yourself. You understand that helping always induces sacrifice of my own things, my own time, my own money, my own energy. Amen? We've got to keep perspective. Amen? And he says, verse 12, I, I wrote this note. He's saying that his vocation demands suffering. But, he said, I know in whom I have believed. That's a good, that's a good scripture. I might suffer, but I know in whom I have And I know why I'm suffering. I know the purpose behind my suffering. Amen. We're closing very quickly. He said this, verse 13, is probably the crux of this whole sermon, verse 13 and 14, and we're going to close with these. He said, follow the pattern of sound words or sound doctrine that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now, speaking of preaching, I close, I want to talk to you who may not necessarily be preachers, and I'm going to grab a different microphone because this one's dying. I want to talk to you who may not be necessarily pastors or preachers or teachers or any of that, but the reality is this. Every one of us has the great commission. It's not my job only. It's our job. My job is to instruct the people of God to do the work of God. 
My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. See, ministry isn't necessarily what the pastor does. The pastor equips other people to go do ministry. You understand that? My job is the shepherd, the teacher, the trainer to help you, to equip you to go out to the grocery store and say, you know what? My pastor told me this Sunday that sometimes these things happen because God's wanting us to get our eyes off this world and get our eyes on him. Amen? Just sharing something as simple as that in the grocery store could be life-changing to somebody. And they'll say, well, what do you mean by that? What are you talking about? What's your pastor believe? And all of a sudden, Jesus comes up, and you get to witness to somebody and say, you know, have you really trusted Jesus with your life? Have you really come to the point in your life where you understand the gospel message that he loved you, gave himself for you, that you can't earn grace, you can't earn salvation, you don't deserve it, but God loves you anyway, gave his son to die on the old rugged cross so that you can come boldly before him, repent of your sins, confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and be saved. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's the message. And I'm supposed to equip you to bring that message. Amen? If you don't know the message, it's not your fault. It's mine. Let that sink in. Following the pattern that he heard from me in faith and in love, which are in Christ Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Notice that I'm not going to hold on to this deposit. I'm not going to be able to guard this deposit without God's help. Amen? Now, guard the deposit that was entrusted to you. Do you understand he's talking to Timothy like a pastor, uh, an uh, apostle to a pastor? He's saying you've been entrusted with this. Do it right. Do it correctly. Do it with everything you got. Don't hold back. That's why he told him, stir up the gift of God that's in you, right? Because he didn't want him to hold back. And I'm telling you the same thing. Stir up the gift of God in you. Don't hold back. Guard the deposit that's being given to you in the ministry so that you understand that living your life for Christ is not something that's going to happen by chance. It's not going to be. It's not going to happen by mistake. It's going to happen by purposeful intention on your part to live your life as a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why I have to guard the deposit that is within me. Paul ends with giving a couple examples of unfaithful people and an example of a faithful person. Notice how he ends this. He said. You are aware that all who were in Asia turned away from me, among whom were Philagrius and Hemogenes, right? He's telling me, look, they turned away from me. They turned away from the gospel. They turned away from They were ashamed of me. They were ashamed of my chains, right? Uh, he doesn't say they were, but then he also says that this Onesephius guy wasn't ashamed of his chains, right? Which would insinuate that the people he talked about before were ashamed of his chains. You understand that? Just grammatically, the order in which he wrote it, he's telling, telling you that these people forsook him, and the next person, Onesephius, was faithful. Notice how he talks about Onesephius. Okay? He says, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesephius. 
For he often refreshed me. What's that mean? He often refreshed me. Paul was in jail. Obviously, Onesiphorus came and visited him. Right? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, my brothers. What, what was one of those things? When I was sick or in prison, you visited me. Notice that it didn't say you come to heal me. It said you came to visit me. Notice it didn't say you come to free me. It says you came to visit me. Do you understand that there are some sufferings that God intentionally puts you in that you are not to expect deliverance from? You're expected to be refreshed within the suffering so that God is glorified while you're suffering. Because when you're weak, then he's strong. Amen? We've got to understand that Paul wasn't looking to get out of jail. He was looking just to get refreshed while he was in the middle of prison so that he could glorify God appropriately. Amen? We've got so many people, and we've talked about it before, trying to pray the storm away, trying to pray the bad circumstance away. Why don't you just glorify God in the middle of it? Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, they weren't saying, Lord, set us free. They were just saying, thank God, Jesus, I am free. They were singing songs and giving praise to God in the middle of the circumstance. He closes with this good example of Onesiphorus. He said, he refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. When he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. See, this tells me that Onesiphorus did not know where they were housing Paul. But Rome ain't going to just tell you, hey, our prisoner Paul, he's over here. They're not, you go up there, hey, where's Paul being kept? Like they're going to tell you. No, he had to search diligently until he found where Paul was at. Now, how many of you know some Christians who are out in the weeds and out in the troubled places who we need to go search for, who we need to search earnestly for until we find them? So that they can be refreshed and encouraged and know that we love them. Amen. In closing, he says this, may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. You well know the services he has rendered for me in Ephesus. Now this, my friends, is a great and wonderful thing that we have read this morning. I know you don't see it. I know that it's not laying on the surface. But Paul is instructing Timothy. Number one thing that I take from this is to stir up the gift of God that's inside of me. Pastors need to do it. People in the pews need to do it. People on the board need to do it. We need to be doing that. We need to stir those gifts up. What does that mean? That means to keep them in use. Stirring it up doesn't just mean walking around. Lord, I got this gift. Lord, I got the. It means to go use that gift. Put it into practice. Pastor, I know, you know, I'm not real good at praying. Maybe you ought to pray more. Pastor, you got practice, right? Pastor, I'm not good at reading my Bible. Maybe you ought to read a little more. Pastor, I'm not good at talking to people about Jesus. Maybe you ought to try that a little more. Stir that gift up. It's in there. 
If you got Jesus in your heart, that gift's in there, I promise you. It's on everybody's called to share the gospel. Everybody. And the last thing that I get out of this is to guard that deposit that's trusted to me. What does that mean? I'm going to hold on to the understanding that it's up to me to share Jesus. I'm going to guard that deposit. I'm going to take it seriously that it's my calling. It's my job. Not the pastors, not the board members, not somebody else at church. But it's my job to talk about Jesus. Amen. So we need to get out of that. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff. That's two good points you can take out of that first chapter. Amen. And as we do that, we're going to close. Go ahead and stand. We're going to pray. But before I do, I haven't done this in quite a while. But I want to do it this morning. If you're watching at home, on Facebook or you're listening to this on the podcast or you're in this room this morning and you don't understand what the gospel is, I want to just tell you. The gospel is this, that everyone is a sinner. Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God and are desperately lost. Wicked, without hope, without Christ. That none of us in and of ourselves could save ourselves. But it's the grace of and the call of God the Father that draws all men to repentance. So if this morning anybody is listening to the sound of my voice or watching this on Facebook, if you have felt, felt the Spirit of God working on your heart telling you you need Jesus, I'm telling you, friend, it's as easy as this. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus I will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. So if that's you in this room or it's you watching on this Facebook Live or listening to the podcast, it doesn't take a special prayer. It doesn't take anything but the hand of Almighty God to move your heart to say, Lord, I want to receive Jesus. I repent of my sins. I turn to you. I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven. And I confess him as the Lord of my life. And I ask for the gift of eternal life. It's just that simple. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's the gospel that Paul was preaching, and that's the gospel that's entrusted to each one of us. Right where you're at, you don't have to have a pastor come pray with you. You don't have to have anybody at your house. All you have to do is say, God, I need Jesus. Save me right now. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you and praise you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy that saves us, that draws us, that regenerates and renews us, that fills us again with the Holy Spirit, that remakes us. And seals us unto the day of redemption. Lord, I thank you for those who have come today. And I thank you for those who are watching on Facebook or listening to this on a podcast. God, I pray that as they hear, those who don't know you would come to know you. That the Spirit of God would draw those who are to inherit eternal life. God, I ask that you would do 
what only you can do, save, redeem, and renew. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.